0: Welcome to The Bridge, fun conversations on culture, life, and everything in between. Welcome to The Bridge. We're a show that connects East and West. My name is Jason. I'm originally from California, but now I'm living here in beautiful Wuhan, China. Today with me is Alex.
1: Hello, everybody. This is Alex. I am from the Northeast part of China, and I'm speaking to you today from Beijing, China.
0: Find us where you get your podcasts. If you like the show, then consider pushing the like button or giving us five stars. Suggestions, comments, anything you would like to share, email us at welovethebridge at gmail.com. We love the bridge. You know, I wanted to talk today about what it's like to be an expat, especially as a Chinese expat coming to America. But we can't talk about that today without putting that in the context of the anti-Asian violence that's going on in the United States. So I read this article on Mm rt.com and it says anti-Asian hate crimes up 339%. Now what's striking about this is last year, anti-Asian hate crimes were already up about 300%, which means that really we're looking at like, I don't know, 900% increases over the last two years, uh, in violence against Asians in the United States, and so yes. as you know, you've lived in the United States, and, and you're from China. Like at the time that you went to the United States, let's just first ask this question as like a base. Like when you went to the United States, what was that like? Originally, like ten years ago?
1: That was twenty twelve. Oh my god, that was ten years ago. So
0: were you? Did, did you have any like fear of like violent crime at that time?
1: Absolutely not. Back then, absolutely not. I don't. I don't think it was because there was no violent crimes. I think the violent crimes have always, always been there. And I'm pretty sure there were, you know, crimes that were targeted um, at Asian people as well. But back then were sort of, you know, um, in, in lack of a better way of putting it, blissfully ignorant mm-hmm. about a lot of things. Mm-hmm. We're just, you know, going overseas. We're Chinese kids who never really had to deal with racism, at all. And then, you know, regardless of what people want to say today, like as people that have spent our whole life in China, you don't really look at it or you don't really tend to put things, um, you know, in a kind of a, a racial discrimination context. Like that's not how we look mm-hmm. at life. That's not mm-hmm. how we look at our society. Um, and then when you go to the States, of course, you're going for you know, the exciting things like what occupies your mind is how much new aspect, uh, you know, perspectives you're going to have, mm, how much new mm. exposure you're going to have and and different people that you're going to meet and all this knowledge you're going mm, to learn. Mm. You don't really think about like, oh, what's the dark side of America? You know, <laughs> <laughs> like, what kind of danger am I putting myself into? So you don't really
0: mm.
1: pay attention to a lot of things that are going around you. Um Until probably for me, I started I started to kind of realize certain certain I wouldn't even say stereotypes at the time, like a certain ways, There are certain ways that people would look at you when they know that you are not American. Mm. I would hear some kind of talks here and there. But uh, of course, you know, like I was going to this I was going to the university. Um, It was a relatively more innocent you know, quote unquote innocent environment for me. So there was no mm. there was mm. not anything that was specifically against Asian people that was that was really, really bad, but you know, that was 10 years ago.
0: Well, you know, as an American, sometimes even before uh, the pandemic, I did read about, you know, occasional really extreme, like racist events, like that occurred against Asian people. Like Mm. there was a Canadian girl that was kidnapped on her way, like home from university a few years ago. And that was like national headlines for a while. Mm. So maybe, maybe it wasn't as like in the, uh, the uh, psyche of folks in China, because, you know, it it wasn't like rampant at this point, you know, without me like muddying the waters too much, (laughs) (laughs) with the article that I've already quoted, would you say that Chinese people that you know that are looking at America differently than
1: at that time? I have a friend who's very, you know, she really, really looked forward to living in the United States. And she studied there and she came back here and worked for like, I think, 15 years. And but she always wanted to go back. And she actually went back there last year and. I remember her posting on her WeChat moment uh, shortly after she had arrived. She's living in Washington, DC right now. And she said, I do feel mm-hmm. that I should be scared. When I walk out of my house, like that's from someone who, you know, who was very positive you know, of, <laughs> <laughs> about moving to the States. Mm. And, and she moved this. Uh, she moved last year. I still can't believe 2021 was over. Mm. Um, she moved last year in the height of the, the pandemic mm. over in the States, way before the Olympics. And that's what she said. As someone who's like, you know, I'm moving to the States and I'm very happy about it. You know, Um, I for me, the change I see that I actually know that people changed the, the way they look at America was. Actually from people who have previously either studied or or worked there for Mm
0: -hmm, mm -hmm. a
1: long relatively longer time for me like I was there for five and a half years I had uh, another friend Mandy she's um, she lived in New York as well for her husband is actually still in the States uh, because he couldn't come back Um, she lived there for I think eight years or something. Um, and other friends who have returned from america to china are all kind of saying like it's a little bit you know back then i wouldn't lie when we first came back we're like you know we had our youth there we had our you know first part of our adult life in the states and that's what we know like what adulting kind of meant and you know we were not opposing to the idea of you know if there's a job offer or if there's a chance to for me to just you know continue to live and work here because my friends are here like we're not opposed to idea but after we came back and with everything going on right now the conversation became like do you want to go back Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. no (laughs) even with with mandy like mandy's you know the husband there she's like I don't know.
0: <laughs> like, well, let's say in in the next couple of years, you get the opportunity to travel to the United States again to like, see your friends or whatever. Do you think that you will have like a, a different approach to your personal security walking outdoors? Um,
1: this is the thing. Like, I I don't know if you watched the um really horrific video uh footage of um this this incident in New York subway
0: yeah I, this I, Asian lady was I didn't pushed. actually see it but I read the story yeah it, it was terrifying
1: they, it, it happened so fast you could see it in a, in a gif or a gif whatever people call it nowadays but I I saw it's that
0: definitely gif you know actually it's both I'm sorry <laughs> I don't mean to interrupt you talking about this very important subject but actually this you is know, important too it's officially both like the company oh itself oh called God. it a pronounced it gif but it it's actually stands for graphic so because the word graphic starts with the g it became both and so now people correct each other but you literally the dictionary has both but go on i'm sorry so
1: <laughs> thank you for the listen
0: <laughs> but it's gif for me for me personally when i hear gif it takes me a second i'm like are you talking about peanut butter go on
1: <laughs> <laughs> oh my god uh definitely not the peanut butter but i was able to see it all happen in gif in your honor um and but that's the thing when i was living in Uh, New York, and maybe I've always been a paranoid person, but I'm pretty sure a lot of people would relate to this. When I was living in New York, whenever I am in the subway station, I would always make sure I'm standing by a pillar or by Mm, mm. the rail, you know, the the staircase uh, candle or something, just in case if someone lost their mind and wanted to push me Mm, I would have something to grab on. Like, I never, I never stood just by myself with no assistance or nothing to lean on. I've always been paranoid like that. And it just became part of my behavior. Like, it just became an an instinct when I was living in Mm -hmm. New York. But seeing people being sort of attacked walking on the street. Mm. um, I don't know. Like, when I go back, I don't think I will be on high alert the whole time if I go back to travel because, you know, I know Kindle is super accessible right now, but I still want to go back to America and get it back from my ex-boyfriend. Yeah, he still
0: has my Kindle and my clarinet. So, you know, just... A Kindle is relatively inexpensive, but a clarinet might be like a little more, I think. I mean, after all these years, it's probably cheaper than the Kindle,
1: (laughs) but (laughs) I still don't want to pay for another one but i if i go back there for a a visit and see my friends and stuff i honestly don't know jason i can't say that i would be on full alert but i also cannot say that i'll be going back in the same kind of joy and excitement with no concern in the back of my head
0: i i can't mm-hmm. i can't
1: i can't say that with full confidence right you now you know
0: I, I was thinking about when you were talking about standing on the platform i always the exact opposite but i'm you know like i have a lot of privileges as a white man also <laughs> i'm like a pretty uh, sturdy built like really kind of i go to the gym and i'm six foot tall <laughs> so i generally don't fear like people attacking me as much so I
1: work out
0: (laughs) (laughs) I'm not trying to brag I'm like I'm fat but I'm also like Mm. like huge so like I don't imagine people coming up and messing with me and stuff Mm -hmm. but actually even reading these things and me having lived in like China which is like practically devoid of crime by comparison I was actually writing an article on a blog recently and I was looking up statistics on the UN about crime some of the crimes are like 11 to 1 like how much more of different kinds of criminal activity happen in the US so Some of it's like three to one in good cases. And like, I mean, it's only three times worse in the United States than China. But a lot of the statistics are like eight to one and 11 to one, how much Mm. more kinds of different kinds of violent crimes there are in the U.S., than there are in China. So now, having lived in China for like ten years, like if I go back, I would be scared. <laughs> like I'd be like, "Wow, okay, I'm in a dangerous place. I need to be careful." <laughs> and actually, I remember that the last time, uh, and this is before the pandemic, and this and this is me, you know, being a tall, strong, white person who has privilege and is generally like left alone. Mm. Like you know, because you know, a lot of people. Uh, anyways, when <laughs> I go back, I'm afraid. I'm I'm scared that people are gonna mess with me at this point. The last time I was in in the United States it's like 2018 or something. I was going back to see my mom. Mm-hmm. Like I was on the BART system, Bay Area rapid transit. And I was like, yeah, this is, you know, this isn't China. We're not in Kansas anymore. Like you need to watch myself. Like, because in China, I'm just like not paying attention, just goofing around, running around. Doesn't matter. I don't think about my personal safety at all. I never assume that I'm going to get attacked or like robbed because that's never happened to me. Yeah. And my experience here, I've never even seen it. I've never even really heard of it from others. So like, I'm a little afraid to go to the United States now, but like with like specifically Asians being targeted right now, like especially if you're like a a woman, like I probably like get some mace or something, you know, (laughs) or pepper. I guess it's pepper spray now. Mace is kind of old school. huh? But
1: see, the thing is, like, I never I never had those uh, what you call those self-defense weapons or or uh, tools if they're not called they don't qualify mm-hmm. as weapons you wouldn't have time to the the videos or the reports or the news um incidents that got me really really worried and i i think i started seeing uh, a lot more of this in the tail of 2020 and then like the first half of 2021 when this was like really really you know just happening everywhere it's all sudden a sudden attacks that happen to just pedestrians with no warning with no it's not Mm, like mm. oh where are you from you're from china like i'll hit you it's more like i see you you look asian i will hit you and i'm like
0: yeah a lot of them are attacking them from behind that's the videos that footage that i've seen it's like people just walking down the street and then someone hits them from behind like
1: when i i remember i messaged message my friends in the in the states like my chinese friends were still there i'm just like look dude i am i am legit worried about your safety right now cuz these videos are from a city that i used to live in i've had people doing you know disrespectful gestures or saying things like go back to china to me before but that's about it you know like you know how they always say like That's pretty brutal. But, you know, like, how did you deal with that emotion? I mean, I just ignore them. You know how people are like, you know, don't argue with
0: <laughs> stupid people. Yeah, yeah. Uh, don't Obviously, <laughs> don't argue back. But you must be like later thinking in your head, going over what they said. Like, that would affect me pretty, pretty deeply. I mean,
1: this is kind of sad, but you kind of get used to it. Wow. Like, yeah, like, I don't remember. I, I think I've talked about this once before, but I think maybe I've told you before, but I'm just going to uh, tell you again, like in the very beginning, when we first went to mm. uh uh, Boston University there was uh, quite a few Chinese students in the journalism program which for me is pretty amazing because we're doing mm. we're studying journalism in our second language in our acquired language it's not even our second language which there is a huge difference just you know showing off my linguistic knowledge here um, <laughs> uh, so mm. we're doing we're, we, had to, we had to do so much more and be able to do so much more to be in the journalism program mm. but um, when we were going to the bathroom one time we heard these two uh, uh, you know fellow American students talking in the bathroom and they were saying oh my god these these international students in our class are seriously dragging this class down like we would be able to learn so much more if they're not here like we heard we heard that super early on wow. and yeah like yeah, you,
0: I remember this story yeah and then
1: we had a professor telling a, another Thai student saying um because she was trying to get an internship and and she brought her resume with her to the professor and the professor was just like you know you would have a better chance getting a job working at a Thai restaurant than working for a magazine and we were when she told us that we we're like was he joking did he mean that as a you know kind of a funny way trying to show off his sense of humor she's like no and she was crying like after that conversation and we we're just like you know that's you kind of just sort of slowly got get used to it. And these from people that you know and you spend time with that you share a space mm. with. So when it comes to like people just saying random stuff on the street that you don't know and they, you know, they don't they don't look like they're totally together or whatever. You kind of just like, oh, that's horrible, and you choose to let go. But wow. Yeah, but for us, that was, you know, this is just, you know, something that people say to you. It was more verbal. But for me to imagine being physically attacked mm. just for the way I look I am like and then I was I, I started to understand uh, a friend who's uh, African-American when I first got there I was I was like all mm. of these you know uh killings and tortures or whatever like they don't make mm. sense to me and I was so furious and what and he was like Alex at this point we're just all I feel is is just helplessness and fatigue and I was like I remember when I first realized Mm. how serious this problem is. And I was like, how could you not be angry about this? And he's like, because we live this every day, this is our reality. You started to see it more. You Mm. think it's new. It's Mm. not new. You started to see it more because of social media, because whatever media wants to do with it, and they Mm -hmm. expose it more. But for us, for each and single African-American person living in this country, this is our truth growing up. And he was like 30 32 33 at the time he was like this has been my whole life mm-hmm. and I, I i can't i can't imagine living with that kind of fear in my mind or for my for my people like i said when i when i saw the videos i messaged my friends i were like mm-hmm. Are you okay going outside? Like, I feel like it could have been any of them. It's it was in Brooklyn. It was in Manhattan. Mm. It was it was in Queens, wherever. I was just like, I don't know how how do you brace for that? How would you prepare for that? Or if it happened, like you said, is there any way that you could protect yourself? I guess not. Mm.
0: What about your, your mom? Uh, it, has, she, has she talked to you recently about the state of America? Because, you know, you went 10 years ago. I can't imagine she was too opposed to you going at that time. But like, have you talked to her about, you know, is, is there an awareness, I guess is my question <laughs> amongst Chinese people about what's going on in America in terms of like the increased violent racism against Asian
1: people. I guess my mom was more scared for me when I was living in New York. And for some reason, she felt like mm-hmm. it was a little more unsafe. Um, um, it seems like, to mm. be to be very fair here, I think New York is kind of like, you know, well, it's not like Beijing, but people have a, you know where you're going, it's big, it's big so like you know where you're going, like yeah. you know where it's safe
0: and stuff. It's interesting you say that. You say that about New York. When I think about Beijing, I never, I don't think there's a place that I would not go. Yeah. Like I don't think of there's a dangerous neighborhood that I would avoid because I would go anywhere in Beijing and feel comfortable. Yeah. So like that's you know I mean you, we're comparing New York and Beijing, but like obviously that's not does it doesn't hold up that well because yeah there are neighborhoods in San Francisco I wouldn't go to also and like I don't feel that way about any of the cities in China. Sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt. Oh,
1: you. that's okay. I mean that's totally. That's That's totally, well... Hate to say it, but that's kind of the truth. Like uh, that's a lot of people's uh uh uh, thinking when they move to China as well. I remember I remember I know this I know this guy who first moved to China and she uh, he had a a friend, a lady friend, um, who was trying to show him around Mm -hmm. and she was trying to take him to like either a bar or restaurant, but it was in the Hutongs, right? Mm -hmm. So they have to you know, and for for our listeners out there, it's it's the Beijing alleys are called Mm -hmm. the Hutongs, Mm -hmm. and they're super long and the only outs are in the it's super cool. There's only the entrance and the end. In between, you can't go out, right? So it's kind Mm, of like mm. you're walled in when you're walking in it. And he was not used to it. It was the first time that he saw this. And he was like, he was looking at it. He was like, this lady's about to jump me. Or someone (laughs) is is waiting to jump me in this thing. And he's like, this is dark. It's late at night. There's no light in these alleys. He's like, I am not walking in here. I am going to (laughs) die. And then they walk in. Of course, it's the hutongs. And there's all kinds of, you know. You know, uh, grandmas and grandpas and all of these amazing, you know, restaurants or whatever. And yeah, so, like
0: hipster cafes and stuff. So yeah,
1: after a couple of years of uh, living in Beijing and looking back at what he was thinking in the beginning of that, he was like, "Look, that's, but that's how you would look at things in well, America." You know,
0: there is, a, there's danger in the hutong, and that is like who's driving the really expensive car honking at you, trying to like get through. We, we always douche back, <laughs> like you know, we would just be like, "Where do you want us to go?" Like, there's nowhere else to go. It's like this narrow alley, and you're like in your bmw like honking at people there's nowhere for us to go it's your fault why are you driving through the hotel
1: yeah i think they're when they're honking they're just mad at themselves for like picking the wrong route to to go with and they shouldn't (laughs) they shouldn't have but yeah like that's what my friend uh that was the the huge change like you were saying like it's just like there's no vicious thing that you would be that would be happening on a regular basis that would put you Mm -hmm. like in a super alerted state all the time but new york i felt like that's built in as your part of your knowledge of the city. And when you navigate, it's kind of like your brain just, just goes, don't do that, don't go there.
0: I don't know if you know a lot of young people who are like maybe, you know, 15, 16 years old and thinking about going to university, but I'm wondering if you can maybe ref- help us reflect on or, or look into the idea about the dream of, you know, Going to the United States to study. Do you think that like a lot of Chinese uh, young people are still interested in going to the United States to study? I mean, obviously there are, but are they, is it the same as it was five years ago? So
1: I have a couple of friends who work in the, the Zhongjie industry, which is agencies that help students with their college applications, help them navigate all the admission mm-hmm. information mm-hmm. Ah. to look at universities and with their knowledge, tell them like which universities they should go with to better you know, execute their study plans. Um, I asked them this question, uh, last year, well, sorry, 2020. And they said, well, it was actually not too bad. It was mostly the, 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 the parents are concerned about the pandemic, but the kids are still pretty, you know, excited about going overseas to study, which I think didn't change that much. I mean, like, the opportunity of studying in a, in a university overseas i think people's nature is to be able to ex- to to be able to experience new things to be mm-hmm. able to see and do different um but the the parents are going to be more wary about it but i also want to like mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> this is going to i'm t- going to try to put it in a way that makes sense for a lot of us at least you know friends in my circle people that Mm -hmm. i talk to when we go to the states it's not like i am pursuing my american dream you know (laughs) it's like what first of all what is it and what is it now like what is it today even Mm -hmm, people mm -hmm, can't mm -hmm. even it's so different from the 70s and the 60s and the 70s when that was first thing Mm. nowadays is like you know we we had the opportunity to know the culture we had an Mm -hmm, opportunity mm -hmm. we had we could choose we had the privilege to choose really and we want to go and experience and Mm -hmm. um, see what it is that's more like it like you know this this university like I was working with a foreign news media agency and I was like oh I would love to be able to study further in this in this uh, uh, field and then Other people who are who are in like, for example, if you study English literature in uh, in China, Mm -hmm. you would naturally want to go pursue if you had the option, Mm -hmm. like Mm -hmm. further study in a place where that is about just it's the same. Like a lot of people come into China and study or work or whatever. It's not like everybody who comes here, everybody who goes to America is like, I want to realize my American dream and, and live in the United States. Yeah,
0: I've actually looked at the statistics recently. Another article I was writing and uh on the global times provides a lot of like data in terms of like nationals returning
1: mm-hmm. and in in
0: this actually in the 60s 70s 80s there was kind of like some people not not everyone but not even actually a, a, a huge more than half but some people were like at that time oh yeah i'd like to stay in the united states longer but increasingly by like like 2005 it was like at least 90 95 percent of all chinese nationals actively wanted to come back home because china had become so affluent they were like all the opportunity is there now so like statistically chinese people are are, don't want to stay in the united states long term except a very small small like sliver of the pie
1: yeah because we really felt the uh not the rejection but just how how much you would have to give just to stay you know i of course like i did my my, my graduate study there when I was still there, it would be like, it would be great to mm. do to get a job uh, so that I could use the knowledge I learned in the, you know, my graduate study. But I would have to do so much, so much and pay so much as well just to have not even a mediocre job. And then the mediocre, mediocre job not would not even guarantee me a work visa so you're kind of like i was just i was just wondering at the end of my stay there that when i was making a decision of whether i should leave or stay i was like what is it all for you know like if Hmm. i go back Hmm. to china i would be able to probably get a decent job And, you know, one way or another, I should be able to work out whether this is what I want to do or this is really putting my knowledge into use. There's nothing that w- that was keeping me there that would make me like I even thought about like mm-hmm. other alternatives um, to stay in because I was also in a relationship back then. I would be happy to stay with my 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 partner at the time and i we even thought about you like know, getting married and stuff and i was like mm. but what's this is all for like i i couldn't when i had the mental pros and cons list out i was like there's nothing that would justify me doing all of these things just to stay here. Mm. Like mm-hmm. I c- couldn't find a legit reason for myself. So I was like, you know, let's let's go back. Mm. Well, I
0: guess I'm, I would imagine your mom and dad would not be very thrilled if you decided to stay in the United States. You know, for me, my, I have three brothers. So like from when I tell my mom, I told my mom, oh, yeah, I really just kind of want to stay mm. in China. She was like she was. I could hear it in her voice cracking. Like she's really sad, but like, I also know that she's going to be like taken care of that. My brothers will be there for her and stuff. And so like, I was like, yeah, I got to do this for me. And so I, you know, I have fully applied for the green card and hope to stay here. But for you, you're like an only child as far as I know. Right. Yes, I am. Your mom and dad would be like, devastated it'd be the end of their world it'd be so bad like Uh, for them
1: they're they're yeah they've always wanted me to to come back and it was it was kind of funny because when we made the decision and i say we because i didn't make the decision to go to the united states my mom wanted me we had such a big fight back then because i didn't want to go and she really wanted me to go and we had like a couple of really Bad fights, and we didn't talk for two months because of this. Um, Mm. Because she's like, You're not gonna be able to get a job if you don't go overseas and study, you know. And I was like, No, I kind of already have job offers. (laughs) And she didn't believe me. Mm. Mm. And I had to lie about the number of schools that I applied Mm. for.
0: Basically, what I'm gathering, I want to try to put it together, is that people are still eager to go abroad and still people are still eager to have the experience of living in the United States or, uh, because for the universities and for the experience of living in another culture and that people, I guess, will just be a little more self-aware. I wanted to bring up other countries while we're here because it seems to me I didn't do really in-depth research, but I read the news a lot. Mm. It does seem like anti-asian violence is increasing in australia and england too and universities there are also sought after for like going abroad so i guess i'm just going to assume mm. that people still feel the same way that they'd still want to go to like england or australia but that they'd be a little more self-aware that you know people some people are going to be a little uh, uh, dangerous i guess
1: people always wanted to basically to any english speaking countries and i know that a lot of people are going are picking um the the uk as a destination for their study because it is faster which is you know from another per, another angle proves the 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 fact that a lot of Chinese students are really just going overseas for the studying experience mm-hmm. and they want to come back. That's why they're choosing a shorter program, you know, because in the States, it's going to be two years or, or two and a half or even longer. Um, uh, in the UK, it's usually just one year. Like mm. it, it, you could you could be back within a year with a degree. So a lot of people are choosing that. And then I was, I, I read this on the Chinese Quora, which is called Zhuhu, that they're like from 2016 to mm-hmm. 2022, 2021 the number of people number of students that return from studying overseas have Mm -hmm. more than doubled it's like now like in in 2021 there's like over a million uh chinese students Mm -hmm. who came back to china from from studying overseas
0: yeah maybe that's so uh, there perhaps there is not just a correlation but a causal reason for people because of the increase in like you know rhetoric by certain mostly right-wing extremists like against like Asians. But it's really strange. A lot of the times when I'm reading these articles about violent uh, violence against Asians, the police say, oh, this person is mentally ill. One thing I found peculiar in my hometown, San Francisco... Is that the uh, district attorney, like the prosecuting attorney, is just letting these people back out in the street. And so one of the persons has actually one violent criminal Mm -hmm. has contributed statistically like way more than like a lot of other people. Because after they do like due process and stuff and they just release this guy back on the streets, he just goes and does it again. And this has happened several times where like they just refuse to prosecute this guy because apparently in San Francisco they're like trying this whole uh we only arrest murderers and things approach or like prosecute like the most violent criminals so this guy's running around beating up asian people and going to jail and then going out and beating up it's just it's absolutely ludicrous to me i can't imagine that the people can stand this yeah but how it's
1: i know it's cr- yeah like how do you separate death from violence which is a, almost an inevitable consequence of any sort of violence you would think that you're just doing uh, you're just hitting someone you don't know what that action would actually cause. It could be death. It very likely would be death. So yeah, yeah. the argument doesn't even like, oh, we, we would only arrest for murders. That doesn't even stand. Yeah,
0: recent, you're absolutely right. I, I agree. I think that some of the policies in San Francisco are out of control right now. And like uh, some the prosecuting attorneys really need to pick up the slack and start doing things because it does look like, you know, I've always been a big defender of like San Francisco being different from the rest of the country. And it's, it's a like very unique place. But right now it does seem <laughs> (laughs) Like it is being mismanaged and like the leadership in San Francisco is really dropping the ball and it kind of disappointing. I mean, I don't live there now, but like, I'm really disappointed that things have gotten so bad. And, you know, like there's such a huge Asian population there. I I can't imagine. It's the first Chinatown. Why isn't there a bigger clamor like against what's going on? Like, it seems like that they would want more accountability from the police and the prosecuting attorneys. I
1: I feel like even if there is a mental illness that's involved in the in the motivation of committing this crime, it should still be document. I don't I don't know. Like, you wouldn't do that to a sex offender, right? I'm not saying that, you know, it's it's all the same or whatever, but. It's you're you're leaving someone with a traumatic experience, mm, mm. possibly death, like if you you know, it has happened. Right. Mm-hmm. Why would that be excused so easily? Or like, I understand if you don't want to put this person in jail or something, but like just letting them back out with no consequences, knowing they would and knowing for a fact, like you said, that they would do these things repeatedly Like, how do you how do you explain that with your,
0: you know, I don't know, with any legal system? So like as an expat, when you first arrived in, in the United States,
1: this is the first country you lived in. Outside of China? Lived in, yes, if we would define living. Where did you
0: visit or like uh, spend time before you came? I went
1: to the UK for summer school, and then I went to Canada on a, <laughs> on a mission that my mom sent me. Uh,
0: it, was, uh, it was really hilarious. So you were there for what, three months, two months? I was,
1: I was there only for a month, and it was a wonderful experience because it was within the little
0: bubble of Cambridge University. So what did you... What was your experience... So, you know, I think this would be interesting for our American listeners too. Yeah. Like, what was your experience getting off the plane in the uk and like what 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 did what did you notice that was different or like stood out to um
1: me? back then i wasn't even taking notice i feel really
0: you're just like yeah okay i'm here now
1: yeah or like because you're you're i think it was because (laughs) it was my first time traveling abroad Mm. like before that i think i went to i had gone to maybe did i go to hong kong i don't think so i wasn't a very well-traveled person before you know uh college so like i'd never been to another country i i don't think i went to hong kong or even macau before i graduated college um i've always been like And I say Hong Kong and Macau because it's so different, you know, like it's it's a different I've never even been to like Sichuan or somewhere that speak a Mm. different language than I do. And so and those are Asian languages, those are Chinese languages. When I went to the UK, it was like um, nervous. Mm -hmm. I wasn't trying. I wasn't like fully open to everything Mm -hmm. that was around me. I had no recollection whatsoever of like what happened wow. when I first stepped out of the plane. Yeah. I just, I just remember like, cause we were, we also traveled as a group cause it was organized by my university. Mm. So we were like with mm. other people, you know, um, I do remember just feeling like when we got assigned to our rooms, like the entire process of from me getting off the plane to us traveling into Cambridge. Cause we, you know, we flew to London. I don't even remember how we got to Cambridge. I, but I remember when we got assigned to our rooms, it was like, you know, that kind of, they call it the court, whatever court there. Um, I remember we were all uh, living in this space with single rooms and shared kitchen. And I just remember feeling like that was me living somebody else's life um Mm -hmm. like this wasn't i am not staying here i'm staying here not as alex sure i'm staying here as somebody else and it was a it was a very weird feeling and Mm -hmm. we were able to because we were lucky we're spoiled we paid a lot of money to that for that summer school experience we were being served like formal dinner every Mm -hmm. day and people were like extremely nice. And it was people from all over the, the world as well. They're American people. It was like
0: an international house. Yeah.
1: So there are, cause so we, I was in different programs and I didn't just participate in the programs that were prepared for college students also participated mm-hmm. in what they I think they called it the not the expertise but something like that more focused studies like like poems like poetry and Jane Austen and uh Shakespeare whatever it was really <laughs> I had no cl- I had no idea what I was what I was picking and we had people like the oldest person that was in the classroom with us back then he was uh back then he was like 81 or something and and pe- we had people like as young as us so it was a huge age gap and everybody was kind of just you know happily joined um in the same classroom getting knowledge and that was Mm -hmm. just looking at that made me feel like wow it's you know studying learning is a great thing
0: well I I was (laughs) kind of like the opposite when I came to Beijing I was just like my eyes were peeled open I was looking for anything that was not like what I was used to so I was like yeah like even I remember the airport ride go I was like countryside Countryside, countryside, Guamau. Oh my God, what is this? Oh, this uh, is so big. <laughs> I was really surprised at actually how ma- modern like downtown Beijing looked. I was like, wow. Yeah. And then I remember seeing at that time the Tuk Tuk's, which don't exist anymore, basically. Yeah. And I remember like, you know, uh, yeah, it, so many different details about how things were different, like how people moved. People just smiled about how old people just playing like Chinese chess in the streets, like in groups. And like yeah, yeah I was like, oh, this doesn't happen. You know, you don't see this back home. So for me, every everything kind of stood out. The smell of chuar, which you know, like Beijing at that time, two thousand twelve, the whole entire city smelled like chuar all the time because there were yes. like all these vendors with like I do miss those days. Salted and spiced lamb on a stick being cooked all over the city on on like these little I guess it's coal or something. It's not really coal. It's like something else. Char charcoal like on a stick, and people drinking baijiu, and the smell of charcoal
1: like kind of baijiu.
0: Know or Qinggao, yeah. like that had been spilled on the ground here and there so like the whole i mean it was romantic to me it was like <laughs> beautiful <laughs> like my second experience I had lived in Korea it was my second experience living in another mm-hmm. country and I was just like wow this is really nice for South Korea it was a bit different you know like they didn't cook outdoors as much yeah you know, they have this uh rice with spicy sauce on it and meat and, and uh it was I just ate that all the time and like I, I was just like wow this is very different yeah. and that was what people ate for breakfast a big bowl of like rice with like spicy meat on the top yeah I was like oh this is different you know so I noticed everything you know? cultural differences are prevalent so what have you noticed in Canada or UK or the United States that you thought was like markedly different culturally?
1: It's real. like people would help Mm -hmm. you but people wouldn't help you Mm. with money. So
0: you feel like in China people help you with money? Yes.
1: We had this um, uh, I mean he's from India but it doesn't really matter in the story. He's a foreigner visiting. He was working with the news station for like one month and one day he just got lost and he thought he was going to walk back to his hotel but for some reason he walked on for almost 40 minutes minutes away and he just kept going in a circle or or something i don't know he got so lost and i was so far away from him i was like the friend living in toronto i was like man i'm so far away from you and he called uh he just asked this random chinese guy next to him for help Mm. and this guy got on the phone with me and i was like i'm sorry could you like uh send him to Just try to help him get a cab. And like, if you want to add me on WeChat or something, I can send you the Mm. money. And he said, no, 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 don't worry about it. I got him a cab. I pay the cab Mm. driver because it's not Mm. far from here and he will be i was like that's not okay man like let me pay you and he's like no, no 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 and he's like oh whatever and then and then i i hear them just say you know thank you oh my god and then he just paid for his cap fee you know his cap fare and and it was it was done i had the same story well that was you know chinese person helping chinese person but i was in thailand i was in a bangkok uh airport and i was so stupid i didn't change i didn't get any you know thai bots when i was traveling <laughs> and i needed i needed that i needed the cash to get the visa to enter thailand and there was a no- i was like oh my god i flew here for nothing oh yeah
0: i remember that experience i remember i was a like, flew
1: here for nothing and then i i just tried to look around and, and I, I was like i think this is per- this person is a chinese uh tour guide or whatever and then she was like i was like i just need i think it was 200 or 500 baht or something it was it wasn't a lot of money at all and she just gave it to me. She was like, it's OK, just take it. I was like,
0: what? But I also, you know, your sounds like most of your stories ba- are based on Alex Unprepared. That sounds like the name of the book for your travel experience. Alex Unprepared. That's, you know, that's you should title it that because like I think that should be my headline show <laughs> title. <laughs> Both of your experience in Thailand and in Canada, you're like asking other people to sort things out. <laughs> <laughs> I,
1: um, hey, I think that's the best way to test people, because that's when you're like really and lost. You know,
0: in in <laughs> Bangkok, and I know where exactly where you're talking about. I've been to the exact same places you're you're, you're talking about in, in Bangkok. And the thing is, the ATM machine right there, which is this little small machine, it spits out all kinds of different money. So if you just had an ATM card, you could just go and get bought right there.
1: The people told me that, too. That's why I was like, oh, I don't need to. I'll just exchange money there. But the fact is, before you could get the visa, you couldn't get to the section where the ATMs
0: are. Yes, you can. Well, maybe it changed between when you were there and I was there. I was there in, like, 2016 or 17. And, like, there's a – I think it's, like, a pink machine on the wall. Like, they have the the counters on the one side with all the people, like, going to get their visa. And Mm. just literally around the corner, if you just, like, walk, like, 10 meters – is like a pink ATM machine it's right there. Maybe it wasn't there when you were Probably there, but not. it was there when I was there. Yeah. But I, I don't know. My wife and I always over prepare. We always like have money in like three different currencies, like in a secret, like <laughs> compartment somewhere. And we're just like, <laughs> I guess
1: I'm going to travel with you guys next time. So I don't have... I don't know. We want to be, I with... could stay the unprepared Alex. <laughs> Sounds
0: like we're gonna have to pick it up. The slack Alex. <laughs> I, I do I'm trapped. Come and get me. That
1: way I could just <laughs> stay myself, which is just being completely unprepared going anywhere at all. I think
0: a lot of people, yeah. you know, you mentioned earlier, like, uh, there are certain neighborhoods you shouldn't go to, like, in the United States, like, and, you know, that yeah. that is true, especially at certain times of the day or night, like, there, you know, there's <laughs> going to be increased, like, probability of being subject to criminality, and I think that that is something that uh, a lot of foreigners maybe know to some extent that that's going to be true, yeah. but, like, I don't think there's a lot of information about, like, that exact process, and so, like, they, I think a lot of people probably end up the first week going Going to places where they're, you know, the probability of them getting into trouble might be higher. I
1: think it's a, you know, it's a similar kind of um, mentality that if you you actually live somewhere if you actually grow up somewhere your knowledge of that place becomes something that's just like an, an innate feeling it's not like something you have to lay out every yeah. time you make a decision and so yeah. for them it's just like oh this is just a part of town that people just don't go to or or even psychologically that's mm-hmm. not even your part of town when you say like i live here you don't even want to include that place and and it's kind of shocking to me when i first went there and people are like you're if you're on this side mm-hmm. of the street you're fine if you cross the street and go to the other side, you have to be careful. I was like, huh? <laughs> Do
0: you know, the comedian uh, Ronnie Chung. Of course, yeah, he's he he was talking about how to explain like how to bit tor- how, to, how to torrent movies on the Internet. Like you can't explain that to other people. It comes from years of experience of like <laughs> using different <laughs> torrent sites and knowing this one's not good. And this yes. one's be- like, yes. And like, I think that's the same thing with like the neighborhood thing. Like, yeah, exactly what you're talking about. Like you just kind of know, like uh, this is probably not where I'm going to end, end up being safe. You know, I actually but I think a lot of that's based on bias. Too. And it's uh, probably not a lot true all the time. Yes. Because I saw this really great YouTube video where these three like Chinese guys living in the United States, they're like, you know, we want to go to – they found this town, which is – labeled it's in the south somewhere I'm not sure exactly where mm. but like it's it was labeled the most racist place in America so they were like we're going there this is going to be great we're gonna make a YouTube video mm. and so they go to this like most racist town in America and they go into like a diner and they just sit down and like have coffee and like record people's reactions <laughs> and like yeah people are racist in this town but they it, they end, they <laughs> ended up having a really good time because people were like coming up to them and saying wow where are you guys from are you from China And like, like they were obviously being overtly racist about the fact that these three dudes are from China and like asking them like about them. But no one was like, uh, attacking them or anything. They were just more like, that's why curious racism, you know, like who, who, where are you guys from? You guys are different. You know, it was like, you know, so I was kind of pleasantly surprised that, you know, I think of these small towns and I hear about these like racist places. And then like these guys kind of broke my perception of it by just going there and being like yeah we're here and people are curious about us but like they're not like lynching us i mean
1: you know what that's it that's why i said when people are like you know when when they when this random person on the street just does that you know the eye thing and then try to block us and or try to like toughen up against us for no reason and then you know it's, it's, it's just like all right lady like go and have your day and you're not gonna you're not doing anything really to me you know whatever Whatever that happened in your life that made you think that doing this to a group of people that you don't know that that are not disturbing you in any way that at all makes you feel like you're in power or make you feel better about yourself, Mm. go ahead. I'll let you have your day, you know, but my, you know, like (laughs) my bottom line is don't attack anyone. Like, why would you, what Mm. kind of rage that's inside of you that would make you think that you're, but again, like we only have this much time. We can't really go into dig into kind of the sociological reasons why
0: that, you know, I'm actually am hoping I mean, this is not a great hope, but I am hoping that these people are just mentally deranged and that they need to be put into like some kind of facility. Yeah, Yeah, like a psych clinic where they can get the kind of mental help that they I'm hoping that these are not like normal, rationally thinking people and that they believe that violence against Asians is going to solve something because that would be a much worse problem, I think.
1: Yeah, like is here is Johnny. That's a mental like if you think about The Shining like that's mental that's mental illness as well like what what are you gonna do well I
0: actually I think based on having seen that movie was actually demons so I'm not sure (laughs) because his son can communicate with that guy from the kitchen like using telepathy
1: you know you know we're talking about this (laughs) we're just talking about this like a lot of horror movies in America really kind of just walk around the lines of between mental illness Mm. and like you know possession demonic possession so like (laughs) you decide for yourself what you think the problem is but you know there it's just i i i, I just don't think violence ugh again if you want to yeah. if you want to cuss me out
0: Feel free to like, if you feel that, if you feel like. Oh my gosh, we are not endorsing people cussing out Asian people on the show. Don't, don't
1: do that. (laughs) But I'm just saying, don't do anything about it. But you
0: mean you're trying to draw a red line in the same. I
1: think there needs to be like, you know, especially thinking about what San Francisco was doing with just letting people back out with no repercussions whatsoever and just say, and then I know that mental illness is such an important issue to deal with, but it is an issue that needs to be. Dealt with. It it can't just be. An excuse for everything. Yeah. And, absolutely. and and without trying to incite more argument. You but- know,
0: the problem I think is that the American uh penitentiary system is not actually designed to help people who have mental illness. So like if, that if, is true. if someone commits a violent act, th- I think the prosecutor, my my I don't know, my guess is that they're thinking, oh, if we put them in a penitentiary, it's not gonna help them. Yeah, all right, but at least it's gonna put them away, it's gonna keep people safe during the period in which they're like I. Isolated from society so that they can't just walk around chinatown attack i know and
1: because there's there's no way to to protect the the poor victims like all of these elder chinese people that were or asian people in general that are being attacked i'm just like i don't
0: i don't know and i it's really angers me you know i came to china and and asia and south korea like part of that reason was for like cross-cultural communication not just for me but like as an american who is educated i thought this would be a good opportunity for me to help literally like our show is called the bridge. I was trying to help bridge like understanding between like East Asia and the, you know, the United States or the West. And I was like, this is going to be a great opportunity for me Mm -hmm. to experience and understand a culture that at that time I didn't understand at all. (laughs) And I was like, this will be great for me. I'll open my mind up. Maybe I can, some of this can be translated back to my family and friends and the people I know. And this would be a great way. And it's really upset me that this violent stuff is happening and that there's little being done about it in the United States. And it, it really is. I find it very, very frustrating. And
1: I Yeah, I, I, I totally agree. I I feel like the only thing that is being done, if you could even call that, is kind of the repeated exposure of these type of footage in media. I don't know if that's helping that much.
0: mean i agree with you i thought about that too and that i'm not actually sure I'm, i don't understand is that gonna help or hurt the situation but what really upsets me exactly is all of this like china bashing that like all the major means like there's usually there's left-wing mainstream media like uh, cnn and msnbc and there's right-wing mainstream media like fox, fox yeah. news and sky news in england and like i feel like Both sides are like doing this China bashing sometimes that is completely like out of place and based on false information and like absolutely disconnected from the reality of the situation in China. And I feel like when they aired, for example, like some of the former president's remarks about China, they were really starting this fire and like now this fire is running out of out of control and people on CNN are like like very calmly and dispassionately talking about anti-Asian violence and I'm sorry you guys have to own that you guys are the ones who started the fire it's your fault in the first place that this is happening because you presented this to everyone every day for months and like and really encouraged all of these people whether they had mental illness or not yeah to take a stand against chinese people and then that spread all over all over society and i really feel like mainstream media is not responsible to the kind of actions that they've caused in society today and it makes me even angry
1: i totally agree i totally agree i that's why when the, these uh letters like you know prevailed on on the internet saying like all of these journalists are writing a letter to their news station saying we need to stop Asian hate I'm like no you need to stop Asian hate first Yeah, exactly. like you were the one who stood in front of a camera saying you know all of these comments and you think you're telling your truth but people when they hear you they take it as their truth Mm. but it's not china's truth like it's very different you're living in different narratives and you as media you're really not trying to present it in a very objective way a lot of the times
0: Mm. a lot of people who read a lot of media definitely me i'm not sure about you like but i read an enormous amount of media from and i guess you're majoring in journalism you probably do but you read media across an entire set of platforms and then like find out kind of what's going on. And so you get a more kind of balanced perspective about like, you know, who's on what side of different argument. A lot of people, they don't, they just watch some media and then they think whatever they saw is what's going on in the world. Mm. And so when CNN is talking about all of their anti, like Asian stuff that they think is balanced, some people at home, they're like, yeah, like what you said, they're thinking that is the reality. Inside of their mind, they think exactly this is what is happening. This is what is true. And that's really what's caused a lot of this in my opinion, it's what's caused a lot of this violence against Asians and these mainstream media journalists are not doing a very good job of accurately representing what's going on in the world.
1: Because nowadays it's like if you want to know something, um, you know, the, the correct way that it should happen is that it'll take you a lot of time and a lot of energy to to really research it and understand it and if you have the mm, privilege mm. then do a field study then you would know what this issue is actually about right but that's impossible for everybody or even anyone to really just want when they hear something yeah yeah it's the lazy and the short way to just it's also I believe anything you see on the internet I, mean, I
0: agree with you lazy but i think it's also people you know you're a mom with two kids and like maybe you know your husband is working or not and you have to work like a 40-hour job here and another 20-hour job there just to pay the bills because of the state of affairs in america economically and like yeah it you can't really put the onus on this person because she or he has so much t- has so little time to invest in actually finding out what the world is really like so you i i really put the blame on mainstream media for like not accurately represent anyways we are <laughs> out of time i do want to say that if you do witness violence uh according to stand against um They ask you not to intervene, but to call the police and to document, take video, and to report that. You can report it to the police, and please report it to www.standagainsthatred.org, all one word, so that they can make sure that they're accurately representing the statistics of the kinds of violence that is happening against Asians in the United States.
1: Ugh, that gives me mixed feelings. Mixed feelings. I do want people to, <laughs> I don't know, help each other out.
0: <laughs> well, they recommend that you, if you get in, that help you, in a different way. Hurt, yeah. I, I think that they're covering their own self by not asking by asking people not to interfere they're not they're trying not to take responsibility for what might happen to them if they got involved i
1: get the the fact that you know they there are are, uh, the data of asian uh you know uh, hate crimes are being underreported and are undercounted a lot mm, mm. but i don't know if you know a more a bigger number a, a more astonishing shocking number would really change things i think it still comes from mm, mm. how people look at each other like it really you might not hate an asian person but you know that if you're feeling some type of way when you see an asian person or when you talk to them when they when you hear they did something have a conversation yeah you know talk to them first and then correct that little seed of of bias or hate in your heart from a conversation where you could still peacefully sit down together and talk about it and stop it from growing
0: you know uh, our next show we'll try to talk about something a little bit more positive and fun like our usual shows <laughs> but uh, it's very I nice know. talking to you alex and we'll talk to you likewise next time. i'll see you
1: soon